0: Today we return to the book of Acts, and so let's read Acts chapter 21. After we had torn ourselves away from them, we sailed directly to Kos, and then the next day on to Rhodes, and from there to Patara. Finding a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, we boarded it and set sail. After sighting Cyprus and passing south of it, we sailed on to Syria and landed at Tyre, where the ship was to unload its cargo we sought out the disciples in Tyre and stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they kept telling Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. But when our time there had ended, we set out on our journey. All the disciples, with their wives and children, accompanied us out of the city and knelt down on the beach to pray with us. And after we had said our farewells, we went aboard the ship, and they returned home. When we had finished our voyage from Tyre, we landed at Ptolemais where we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we went on to Caesarea and stayed at the home of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. After we had been there several days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own feet and hands, and said, The Holy Spirit says, In this way, the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we fell silent and said, The Lord's will be done. After these days, we packed up and went to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea accompanied us, and they took us to stay at the home of Nason, the Cypriot, an early disciple. When we arrived at Jerusalem, the brothers welcomed us joyfully. The next day, Paul went in with us to see James, and all the elders were present. Paul greeted them and recounted one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard this, they glorified God. Then they said to Paul, You see, brother, how many thousands of Jews have believed, and all of them are zealous for the law. But they are under the impression that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or observe our customs. What then should we do? They will certainly hear that you have come. Therefore, do what we advise you. There are four men with us who have taken a vow. Take these men... Purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so they can have their heads shaved. Then everyone will know that there is no truth to these rumors about you, but that you also live in obedience to the law. As for the Gentile believers, we have written to them our decision that they must abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, and from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. The next day Paul took the men and purified himself along with them. Then he entered the temple to give notice of the date when their purification would be complete, and the offering would be made for each of them. When the seven days were almost over, some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, crying out, Men of Israel, help us! This is the man who teaches everywhere against our people and against our law and against this place. Furthermore, He has brought Greeks into the temple and defiled this holy place, for they had previously seen Trophimus the Ephesian with him in the city, and they assumed that Paul had brought him into the temple. The whole city was stirred up, and the people rushed together. They seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple, and at once the gates were shut. While they were trying to kill him, the commander of the Roman regiment received a report that all Jerusalem was in turmoil Immediately, he took some soldiers and centurions and ran down to the crowd. When the people saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. The commander came up and arrested Paul, ordering that he be bound with two chains. Then he asked who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd were shouting one thing and some another. And since the commander could not get at the truth because of the uproar, he ordered that Paul be brought into the barracks. When Paul reached the steps, he had to be carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the mob, for the crowd that followed him kept shouting, Away with him! As they were about to take Paul into the barracks, he asked the commander, May I say something to you? Do you speak Greek? He replied. Aren't you the Egyptian who incited a rebellion some time ago and led 4,000 members of the assassins into the wilderness? But Paul answered, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia. A citizen of no ordinary city, now I beg you to allow me to speak to the people. Having received permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned to the crowd. A great hush came over the crowd, and he addressed them in Hebrew. This is God's word. It has been a while since we read Acts 20, so when Acts 21.1 said, After we had torn ourselves away from them, we need to be reminded that Paul had been speaking to the elders from the church at Ephesus at the end of Acts 20. He was completing his third missionary journey and was on his way to Jerusalem with money collected from the Gentile churches for the Jewish believers struggling in poverty in Jerusalem. Here in Acts 21, we read repeated warnings for Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Verse 4 said that the disciples in Tyre told him not to go. Through the Spirit, they urged him not to go on to Jerusalem. Again, that's verse 4. Verses 10 and 11 told us that, In Caesarea, a prophet named Agabus took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, the Holy Spirit says in this way that Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Verse 12 recounted how Luke and other traveling companions of Paul and the Caesarean believers begged Paul to change his mind. The verse said, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. This is a tough situation to interpret. All of these people were speaking to Paul through the Spirit, as verse 4 put it. So it would seem that Paul went to Jerusalem in spite of God's revealed moral will. Yet, back in chapter 20, when speaking to the Ephesian elders, Paul said, Compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem. That's chapter 20, verse 22a. He also knew that the result of going would be personally painful. The verse goes on to say, Not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Again, that's Acts chapter 20, verses 22 and 23. So what caused Paul to keep going? In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, we read, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. That's the NIV's reading of this verse. And here in Acts chapter 21, we read, I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul's motives for going were pure and righteous, and to the glory of God. The warnings about suffering then must have been to prepare him and the churches so that they would not lose faith in God when Paul was arrested. And sure enough, he was arrested, according to verse 33. We'll see in the next chapters to come what the results of that arrest were. For now, though, we should reflect on the warnings in Scripture. The Bible tells us that the way of following Christ is a narrow way. It tells us that there are few that find that way. So we will be in the uncomfortable minority throughout life if we follow Christ. Other passages tell us that following Christ means dying to ourselves, and that it will cost some disciples their families, their homes, their inheritance on earth, and even their own lives. These warnings were not written to tell us not to follow Jesus. They were written to prepare us in advance for the costs of following Jesus. So don't be surprised or unhappy with God when being a Christian costs you something. Instead, understand that you are on the right path because what is happening to you is exactly what God said would happen to his children. So trust him to do his will. Verse 14 talks about that. To do his will in and with your life. And may God bless you. I hope you have a great day. See you next time.